Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bowman, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Hello and welcome to the School of Humanity podcast with Faith Fit Radio. This is episode 10 and I'm Rachel Bowman and this is my husband, Jason Bowman. And we have been talking to you guys about the discernment of spirits, which is based on the rules from St. Ignatius of Loyola um, and from a beautiful book that was wonderfully translated for us lay people by Father Timothy Gallagher. And so last time we talked about the first two rules, which focused on um, the fundamental direction of a person's life. You know, whether you are searching for a way to become uh, holy, going good from going from good to better, or if you are going from mortal sin to mortal sin, turning away from God, and then being able to be aware of where you are in those situations, which which direction you are heading, and then being able to discern what occurs from there. And so we're getting a little bit more into the discernment part of what's happening, you know, um, as we go forward. And so today we were going to move into the third and fourth rule, which every time we always say that we're going to do two rules, right, love? And we always end up with just one. That's true. So today we were going to talk about rule number three. And so rule number three says spiritual consolation. I call it consolation when some interior movement is caused in the soul, through which the soul comes to be inflamed with love of its creator and Lord. And consequently, when it can love no created thing on the face of the earth in itself, but only in the creator of them all. Likewise, when it sheds tears that move to love of its Lord, whether out of sorrow for one's sins or for the passion of Christ our Lord, or because of other things directly ordered to his service and praise. Finally, I call consolation every increase of hope, faith, and charity, and all interior joy that calls and attracts to heavenly things, and to the salvation of one's soul, quieting it and giving it peace in its creator and Lord. So is there anything about that that jumped out to you, love? Well, this topic is really um, pleasant to talk about because it just hearing those words always reminds you of those times when you um, are very assured of the Lord's presence and uh, feel consoled by Him. And all those things ring real true um, to us and we all have those instances in our lives when you know for one reason or another the Lord just um, really assures us of his presence and we're filled our hearts are inflamed and uh, we're almost bursting with the love of God and want to share it um, yeah, he does a really good job too of explaining when there are um spiritual and non-spiritual consolations right right so um should we dive into that then? yes okay so he does a great job like rachel said of describing the differences between uh, non-spiritual consolations and spiritual consolations non-spiritual consolations would be times when um just sort of the mundane things of life uh, give you comfort, um, give right. you uh, peace. 
So. I mean, an example of that would be waking up in the morning and you see that the it's it's a beautiful sunrise or right um you hear a song that you like you know those are non-spiritual um consolations and then spiritual movements are things that uh directly impact your life of faith or following god's will and so non-spiritual things can become spiritual things can you think of an example yeah where that's very quickly um that seems to happen uh especially those who are um it fall into the category of going from um good to better you know in their spiritual life they're seeking the lord um they're seeking holiness and so what was once mundane is almost transformed into um an opportunity to grow in your faith i mean when i was thinking about this before we started the first thing that came to my mind was the kids you know right um when i'm outside for example and just watching the kids um play together and laugh and and have joy i mean that in itself is consoling and and could be considered a a non-spiritual consolation right but because the lord um has won my heart and transformed it um, I'm quickly reminded of the love of the Father f- for us, and um, it can quickly become a moment of tears of spiritual consolation for His love um, for us. So, yeah, I think uh, that that that's definitely one of the main places where I always feel it as well is just that how often He probably looks at us in the same way, you know, when we are finally free. You know, ch- children are so free; our kids are so free. So. It's beautiful to watch them when they're in the midst of their joy and they're in the midst of their freedom to be who they are, you know. Um, and I'm sure that the Lord feels the same way when we have those moments of pure freedom, when we're able to be who we are called to be without holding back. Yeah. It can be something as simple, too, as um, I remember last time I went up to the mountains to go hiking and things, it was beautiful outside. I remember being in the middle of the forest and there was literally not a sound except for, you know, the chirping of some birds and you look up and you can barely see the sky through all the the leaves and you see like almost individual rays of sunshine coming through and it's just so overwhelmingly beautiful that that sort of non-spiritual consolation quickly for me became, uh, you know, just a consoling moment that, for example, what was going on in my heart is just that Christ created all of this simply for me, you know, right. simply for us. Just another example of his overwhelming love uh, that if you let your heart be exposed to it, it, it can almost cripple you. Um or you look at the stars in the same way and you think, wow, you know, all of creation was was for man. Um, simply for God to show him how much he loves him. Um, so th- all these, you know, quote, mundane things um, can be quickly become an opportunity for your heart to become inflamed. Yeah, Gabriel, um, our oldest, who is six, he... He always has a way of kind of taking mundane things and reminding us that they're meant for something 
beautiful. So one day I know a couple of instances, there was once when we were talking about the birds and so uh, we had woken up that morning and, and he, everything was still quiet. It was still, you know, very early. Um, and he said, mommy, this, the birds are so loud. And I said, yeah, I was like, they are. And he said, uh, so then, you know, later on in the day, he, I think after he come home from school, he said, I don't hear the birds anymore. And I said, that's not because they're not singing. And I said, you know, we, so we talked about the fact that just like our lives, you know, throughout the day, we allow so much noise to come in that we no longer hear the birds sing anymore, you know, which, um, we no longer hear freedom anymore. You know, we get very tied up in, in ourselves. And then there was another time that he, uh, it was right before he was going into surgery, this past surgery, he had a surgery back in March. Um, what was it called? A, um, humeral um, rotational osteotomy. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are like, <laughs> yes, I know exactly what that is. Um, but he had a surgery that would allow him to turn his arm inward um, because he had trouble with that, you know, because he was getting ready to go off to school and he wasn't going to be with me all the time. So he had to be able to um, reach his pants, you know, just to be able to do day-to-day things that that some of us might take for granted, like pulling up his pants and being able to put his belt on and things like that. So um, it was just before we were getting ready to go to that and he, we were standing in the yard and he said, uh, mom, he said, why in our backyard, we have a lot of different trees. You know, we've got, um, a walnut tree and we have the, what is the tree that you just pruned? <laughs> great um, myrtle. Great myrtle. Yes. <laughs> I'm going, oh Sorry. gosh, I can't remember. And, um, <laughs> And I can't, we used to have a different a tree in the backyard that we recently um, took down. But when we had those trees in the backyard, you know, they all happened to bloom and be in their, their beautiful vegetative state at, at different times. And so we were standing in the backyard and he looked at one tree and he said, why does that tree not have any leaves? And that tree over there is green. And I told him, I said, well, every tree has a different season. Um, and our trees in the backyard are not on the same schedule, so... Which is bad because most of the time there's like one random tree that's just blowing leaves all over the yard. <laughs> um, but he said, uh, he said, okay. And I said, well, I said, that's just like us. I said, we go through these different seasons where things are beautiful and things are good. And then we go through a season maybe when things are a little dry and things uh, maybe we're dying to ourselves. And, um, and what was great about that was that we had just pruned a a uh, crepe myrtle that we have in the front yard. And so Gabriel was outside and he said, um, just like the crepe myrtle in the front yard. And I said, uh, he goes, why did daddy cut the branches off? And I said, well, because you have to do that so that next year when it grows back, it's even more beautiful. And the beauty is controlled. You know, it's not something where it's going to become overgrown and just keep growing and growing and not turning into something beautiful. Um, but if we're able to prune it and take out things that, that maybe need to be directed to something better. It will turn into something beautiful. And that's that was so pertinent because um, the pruning of that tree happened right when he was about to go into surgery. And so when he came out of surgery and finally got his cast off, um, a couple of months later, two or three months later, we were coming home and he said, Mommy, my cast is off and that tree in the front yard is blooming. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, like, out of all the things for you to notice... <laughs> 
and for him to, you know, point out to me, it was just such a beautiful thing to know that, um, that was a gift from the Lord. It could have been very much a non-spiritual consolation that definitely springboarded into something spiritual. And then I think it's important to note, um, the example that Father Timothy uses is of St. Therese of Lisieux, and she was just walking through the garden with one of her sisters, um, and passed a mother hen, and the mother hen was like pulling the birds closer to her and putting them under, under her wing, and it reminded her of the scripture, uh, Matthew twenty three thirty seven, which says, how many times I yearned to gather your children together as a hen gathers her young under her wings. And so she stopped just to see the scene itself because it was beautiful. But then, and so that was non-spiritual. But then as she continued to look at it, it awoke in this, this memory of that, that passage from Matthew and gave her a scriptural understanding. And then there's this illumination in her, her personal life of realizing that God had always done that for her, how often he had drawn her under his wing and brought her back, um, because of his yearning for us. And she just said that she was greatly moved and experienced great tears and couldn't talk really for the rest of the day because she was just so overwhelmed by the love of God. And it wasn't until like hours later when she was finally able to tell um, one of her sisters about what had happened in the garden there. And that's just such a beautiful example of um, that kind of spiritual consolation. Yeah, and for us on our part, all we can do is really dispose ourselves um, to receive those, to receive reality as it really is. That's the thing, is when we get these consolations, it's not like a, a magic trick, you know, where all of a sudden, you know, we see things um, in some way other than how they actually are, you know, like when right. we're in those moments of consolation, that is the proper mode in which you know, we are meant to be, meant to exist. All of creation, when you love Christ above all things, then can be seen through that lens and in, in light of Him. So, um, whether you are in consolation per se, or desolation per se, or sort of in between, um, if you, like, it's on our part to sort of be just abandoned to the Lord and therefore kind of disposed to um, receive this gift that is reality for us. Wouldn't you say, Rachel? Definitely. And it, um, he's in, it's important, too, to realize that our love of all other things is only because of our love of Jesus. Right. You know, that if we, if we don't properly orient that to know that all of our love flows from one soul place, um, it definitely... I mean, sometimes because, I mean, we have freedom and we have to have freedom in order to be able to love because love um, is got to be a free response. It can't be coerced, right? right? That's why we're able to choose God or not God. Um, and that's why there necessarily is a hell when, when um, God created man in freedom to love and respond to him. There, there has to be a choice not to uh, choose him. But because we are free to choose, sometimes we imagine that we're the author of, of the love that we give. Right. But it's just a participation in God who is love. 
So I think that that is part of why we feel that tension between loving God and loving uh, His beautiful creation. Um, and that was even part of our journey, Rachel. Mm -hmm. Like we've talked about that with me when I was discerning whether or not uh, to go into the priesthood because I imagine that that was the only way to give myself completely to Christ like my heart longed to. Right. Um, but that's partly because there was a lie there that um, this tension between loving God and loving you, it, it does, there's no dichotomy there. And we right. imagine that though. Um, like, oh my gosh, if I give Christ everything, then I'm going to lose out on X, Y, or Z, you know? Right. Um, but as Pope Benedict said, you know, give Christ everything and you lose nothing and gain right. it all, you know? Um, so beautiful. So, yeah. And the other thing is to remember that spiritual consolation, you know, it, it, and just like later when we're going to talk about spiritual desolation, is that it varies in duration and intensity. You know, so there might be these moments where um, you experience consolation, spiritual consolation, and, and it lasts very short, you know, very brief, and the intensity is just, you know, man, I love God, or how great is our God, you know. Um, and maybe that's just a few moments. Or it could be like St. Therese of Lisieux, who uh, the duration and the intensity was long, you know, and it moved her to tears. Um, and so it's important to know that spiritual consolation does not depend upon the length or the intensity, but that it varies. Yeah. And I, one, one thing that I think is important that maybe we touch on even if briefly is that sometimes we fall so in love with the feeling with the consolation that the Lord gives us when our soul sort of rightly ordered in the sense of seeing him and loving him above all things that we start to try to, um, I don't know, like earn or work out these consolations. Right. Uh, instead of receiving them as a gift. Right. But then you quickly realize, like, you can't make yourself feel consoled. Right. You know, it's, it, it's it, you know, that concept in and of itself is erroneous. So, but there are many people who will try to relive those moments of initial conversion um, or a really powerful spiritual moment you had on a retreat. And so you have this temptation to put yourself back there or try to recreate it. And you end up getting frustrated and even question whether it was real or, you know, right. all those things. Feel a little so you, irrational. Right. I remember very early on, um, in my conversion with within the church, um, I had gone to spiritual direction and I remember saying, you know, like, I don't, I don't remember, I don't feel anything right now. Um, and I was pretty distressed by that. And I remember saying like, maybe it's because I don't listen to, uh, I, maybe it's because your music is not as, as exciting as, uh, <laughs> as music of the Protestant church. I remember saying that to my spiritual director. Um, and he got a kick out of that. He didn't say anything, but I could tell that he was like, that's not true. <laughs> um, but I remember thinking, maybe that's what it is. Maybe you guys just need better music, um, which is so irrational. Um, and not that music cannot move you and that music cannot console you, but but I was looking for uh, like a re reenactment 
of what I had experienced before. And most of that relied on really heavily emotional music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, um, but I was being called to something deeper that happened without music. <laughs> so <laughs> such a funny thing <laughs> to look back on things like that. Or, you know, we, one of the things that we talked about with the young adult group once was about how, you know, there are so many times and Jason and I will reminisce about during our courting, you know, um, when Jason was pursuing me, like he still is. I mean, really. I don't know if the young people listening will know what courting is. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you just said that. (laughs) You're old. Wow. Okay. So, um, but when we were dating, is that what I should say? I think so. Dating the right word. Unbelievable. Um, (laughs) I mean, that's what I would have said. I guess when you do think of courting, you picture like you pick coming in like a horse and carriage. Yeah. That's (laughs) what comes to mind for me. But, and before you've even met me, like you're asking my dad, if you could court me, that kind of thing. Okay. All right. Fine. I won't say courting. Um, when we were dating, uh, but prior to us, right after we had we'd been dating for a while and you decided to ask me to be your wife, we've talked about that, about how, you know, what, how ridiculous would it be for us to try to continue to uh, reenact our engagement, you know, <laughs> if like every time we went on a date, we went to the same place and every time uh, you had to ask me to marry you. And then I, I said it wouldn't be so bad, the whole ring thing, like if I got a new ring every time. Right. Um, but, uh, I'm just kidding, honey. I love my ring, but that, that says a lot about you. <laughs> so first of all, it would get very expensive because you pulled out like all the stops to make that night happen. Um, <laughs> but then, uh, not, not the ring part, the dinner part. The dinner was really, really good. Uh, but yeah, cause, cause the ring was cheap. I'm yeah. just kidding. It wasn't cheap. Oh my gosh. Um, but uh, now you have to post a picture of the ring on the diocesan website so everyone knows um, but how ridiculous would that be to try to reenact these right. moments of right of joy that we you know think about back about you know or maybe maybe your moment of joy was finally getting your your diploma you know whether it yeah. be uh graduating from high school or from undergrad and what if we always tried to reenact that just walked around in our gown yeah. from like graduation <laughs> and waited for everyone to congratulate us um but it just it sounds silly but it we sounds do silly. That. we do it we do it yeah. spiritually, spiritually you know we try sure. to reenact those things you know I mean, yeah. the last time that i felt really close to god was was when i was reading this one book and i was sitting in that one chair and I had gotten to that one part. That's what I need to do again. I just need to go back and read that book. Yep. And sit in that one chair and make sure that I'm reading that particular part. And I'm going to, I'll feel him close to us again. I mean, even Peter, James, and John did it, you know, up at the transfiguration. I mean, as soon as they're starting to be consoled, they see Christ in his glory. They're like, okay, let's put up our tents. <laughs> We're staying here forever. <laughs> um, which is natural because, you know, we will be. In, in heaven, we will always be um, consoled in that way. And it is it is rightly ordered for us to be in that um, state. However, we're so, um, we're not disposed to be able to handle it constantly, I would say, because we'll start to love the consolation more than we love Christ. 
And right. that and that's why even in desolation, which we'll talk about next time, I guess, um, <laughs> that is e- maybe even more of an opportunity for you to grow in your love for Christ when you persevere through times when you might feel far from Him, but you choose Him anyway. Because in reality, He's not. Um, and these ups and downs in our spiritual life, they are ups and downs, but even when you're down, you can quickly remember that he's always there. Um, he's always with you. Um, and he will never leave you alone. That's which so can springboard you into consolation, you know. Um, maybe not an overwhelming consolation like you have when you notice the how green the grass is or how beautiful flowers are, you know, or how beautiful Mass was on Sunday. Um, but in those times of darkness, um, when it seems like everything is against you, He can be the one thing that you cling to. Um, it's so true there and and there has to be moments where we allow that to happen like um making sure that we make time for prayer making sure that we um realize that our life is not mundane you know as as ordinary as we try to make our lives the fact that you are awake right now the fact that you're listening right now is not a mundane thing that's a a beautiful and awesome gift that we we often forget and so um it's important to remember that we have to um, be predisposed, like we've been talking about, to consolation. Um, it's an amazing, amazing gift for us. Especially to be listening to this podcast in particular. Especially, especially. Very blessed. Um, <laughs> but let, let us finish out with this, this um, paragraph on consolation from Father Timothy Gallagher's book on the the discernment of spirits. He says, what will happen in our spiritual life if we become aware of God's ordinary presence to us and the spiritual consolations he pours upon us? What will happen if we are within enough to be aware of and identify these spiritual consolations as a loving God gives them to us day by day? Then like Ignatius, we will increasingly find God during the hours of the day. Then what may seem a beautiful but distant teaching of faith, that is, that God is ever with us, will cease to be abstract, and with wonder we will personally know its truth. Through awareness of the spiritual consolations stirring in our hearts, we will know that our God is for us, as for the pilgrim people in the desert, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, a God who always walks by our side, leading us along the way. Yeah, so maybe... This week, you could take the opportunity to try to discern, you know, and really grab hold of those moments when you feel the Lord consoling you and rest in those moments and thank Him for His presence within you. And try to make a point to remain within throughout the day. You know, we pour ourselves out into the uh, day-to-day, work-a-day world Try to remain within, you know, with the Lord and let him transform what used to be simply mundane into moments of consolation because he loves you.
Amen. And we love you too. And so next week we will be back. And thank you so much for listening. We're praying for you. And God bless. God bless. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bullman. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.